Welcome to the Carl Jackson Podcast. This is a special edition of the podcast. We have an amazing guest on the show today. Her name is Dr. Danielle Roberts. Actually, you guys have actually listened to her podcast. She's been a guest on the podcast before. And um, she's actually one of my top five podcasts most listened to and most watched. I don't know if she knows this, but I'm telling you now. <laughs> so people are very interested in what you have to say. Uh, I was very, very actually shocked when I saw that. I looked at it last night because I was looking at other numbers and just trying to see what I was going to do for season six coming in 2022, everybody. Um, and when I saw your name, I was like, man, it's kind of interesting that I'm going to have her as a guest tomorrow. And so it was like, wow. But I wanted to have you back on, uh, Dr. Daniel Roberts. Well, would you welcome back to the podcast? How are you doing? I am doing well. Thank you, Carl. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great. So I wanted to have you back on the show because um, I'm a very good judge. I try to be a great judge of character, character, and I don't necessarily always agree with everything that everybody says. And I don't always, you know, I'm not one of those people that's a, a fan of anyone that's not of truth or of light or of uh, honesty, even honesty. Brutal honesty is also, I'm a fan of that as well. But I, I've been, the last time you was on the show, you know, I had some comments. I read some comments on a few blogs and things that were somewhat negative and somewhat- No, no way. <laughs> <laughs> trying to play you down. Yeah, I know you're used to it. And so I wanted to have you come back because I just feel like there should be a second conversation that happens that the people can listen to. You and I talk all the time. Uh, whether it's by phone or by text. And so we, we kind of have gotten to know each other. And I, 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 you know, look, I'm not the smartest apple in the, in the bunch, but I know that I'm able to pick up when someone is not, when their vibe is off. I do not feel that from you at all. As a matter of fact, I feel that your vibe is probably more spot on than most people. But a lot of times the, the secular, and I say secular media because the secular media and the mainstream media are a, of a different elk, if you will, versus the people who are like, um, you know, some of the, the truth sayers, you know, some of the people like Glenn Beck or, you know, others that really, really want to let the truth be, be known. I see you as one of those people. So, I did not want that last show, uh, last podcast that we did, because it wasn't a show, <laughs> but I wanted the, the last podcast that you did. I didn't want that to be the, the last thing that was implemented in people's minds. Not that it was a bad show. It was an amazing show, but it left a lot for people to question and, and think about and ponder and come up with their goofy scenarios that people like to do when they're online being uh, online bullies. So I had a few questions I wanted to ask you. And, you know, I just thought that, you know, just so you guys know, she's given me full range to ask anything I want. Is that correct? Absolutely. And so we just want to dive into it right out from the gate. And the first question for me is, um, when did, you, you know, when you joined the organization, uh, tell us a little bit about the organization that you joined that's so like controversial. Like everybody's talking about this, 
DOS thing, and I've heard so much about it and that it was a negative organization. So just explain to the people exactly what it was. <laughs> um, well, thanks, Carl. I mean, and again, thank you for having me on. I think, you know, your compliment is very meaningful to me. I've tried nothing but to be honest and truthful and help people to see what's actually going on. So um, that is my intent in coming back on the show today. Um, in terms of DOS, you know, and its con its controversial nature, I think the first thing I want to point out is it wasn't originally controversial. You know, when I when I was introduced to it, um, you know, I, I guess let me say this: if I were sitting where the viewers were sitting, I would think it's controversial too. You know, if it's been four years and the media had fed me the same narrative and the same story and the same spin that it's fed the public. If I was sitting in, in that seat at home, I'd be going, what is this chick doing? Right. What is she thinking? Right. What is she thinking? You know? So I just want to get that very, very clear from the beginning. Like with the optics that has been presented to you guys, I 100% would be like, oh my God, this this woman's out of her mind. So I'm on the same, you know, I'm on the same path with you guys. But please understand that what has been presented to you is very, very far from the truth. And I think if, you, if, we, can, if we can at least agree to keep our, our mind in that place as we start this conversation, then I can start to share with you guys my experience and what it was like for me when DOS was presented to me. You know, when I was asked to, 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 this opportunity was essentially presented to me. You know, if somebody let came people, up- let's, let's, let's cut you off, but let people yeah. know you were highly successful doing what you were doing when DOS was presented to you, correct? Yeah, I think this is kind of relevant actually. You know, people ask me like, why, you know, why would you join a, an organization like this? And again, there's an assumption in that, that an organization like this, because they're assuming the organization is what has been presented. So I've already covered that, but you know, for me, um, oh my gosh, from such a small age, I really wanted to help people. You know, I had somebody in my family that really struggled with addiction and health. And from a very young age, I became, it was my heart and soul to be able to help this person. And I had my own struggles. We talked a lot in the last podcast about my life leading up to. Um, so I'm not going to go into that and right, you, know, right, right. you guys can watch that episode. But I think essentially, you know, I got into a place where I sacrificed a lot of my time and effort, became a doctor, you know, did the thing, you know, got to where I wanted to be uh, that way. But it didn't it didn't change the broken system that I was working in. I was watching people around me dying who didn't need to be dying. Our medical system is very broken and we essentially have a sick system. You know, right now we do things to keep people sick. And I would go into the hospital and I would go into my job and I would watch this list of medications and I knew I could get these people well, but with the system that we have, we're keeping people sick. Talk about COVID, talk about any disease you wanna talk about, people are unnecessarily dying. And that's not cool. So that being said, after I became a doctor, 
the first thing I did was try to open my own practice because I wanted to practice the way that was meaningful to me that actually got people well. Fast forward, you know, that was difficult. I found two years later, I found a group of people who, you know, weren't, they, they were doing this on a big scale. They wanted to reach many people. And I was able to partner with some amazing, very impactful people from all over the world. And we built a company that became um, international in 18 months. You know, we were in three different countries. And this essentially was a, a prototype or an organization that could essentially revolutionize or rewrite the way we do medicine. It wasn't a medical company, that's very important, but it was a company that taught people exactly how their body works, their mind works and their emotions work so that they could heal themselves or prevent illnesses and would not have to be those patients that I saw in the bed dying unnecessarily from things that could have been prevented. So why is this important? It's important because this was my second company I ever tried to launch. It was an international company. It was a big project. Um, and I learned a whole bunch. Uh, at, at about 18 months, like I said, we were in three different countries and it wasn't sustainable the way it was built. We started to have to peel back to our home base and close some of the satellite centers that had been opened because we opened too fast. Now, some of the insights I learned about myself in this process was you know, I have to be a really strong leader if I want to be able to build and lead an international organization that changes the way people understand how to operate their body. And I had some things I needed to learn. <laughs> so, I mean, I was, in, in a lot of ways, I was a great leader. I was, um, you know, I was able to, to get that far, but I recognized that I wasn't the best. There were certain things that I wanted to do better. And that was essentially like the people that I was leading, I needed to be more sensitive to their needs. I needed to understand better how to, how to lift them up and help them be leaders. Um, I needed to better understand what they were struggling with so that I can make them stronger and they could become leaders. I didn't wanna lead an organization that I just tell people what to do. You know, I wanted to understand how to ignite people and how to have them become strong in who they are. So I was not good at that. I was really not good at that. Um, I was, you know, the lead in the front, you know, doing my thing, but I wasn't good at knowing how to do that. So one of the best ways that was presented to me for me to figure that out was to become a better follower, you know, figure out what it feels like to follow someone else. I'm, you know, I was typically in the lead in most of the projects I did. So I didn't really have that. And that was a big part. So when DOS was presented to me, this was the this was the moment I was in. So if you guys can understand that, everything in my life is building to this point. I want to build this company. The company starts failing. I realize I need, you know, I need some help. And now understand when it was presented to me, it was presented to me by a woman that had earned my trust, that had earned my respect, that was striving for the same values and goals that I was striving for in a different industry. I was striving for ethics and evolution in, in medical and physical work. She was doing it in acting and movies. And she saw that in that industry, there was also a ton of corruption. 
and a lack of ethics and morality. So both of us were kind of like running partners for the past four years. We had very similar missions. We wanted to help these industries become more moral and less corrupt. And we wanted to help people in both of those industries. So again, I think that's important because, you know, if this were some stranger that approached me that hadn't earned my respect, that I didn't trust, that was asking me to join a lifelong or a lifelong organization that had a master slave dynamic or terminology where I was going to be committed to them for life. I'd be like, I, I don't know you get away from me. I don't know who you are. You got to be kidding me. But understand that that was not the dynamic. You know, like I said, I knew her very, very well. I saw her striving. I saw how she moved in the world and she earned a lot of my respect. So when, when she offered this opportunity to me, this was, this seemed like a very natural next, next level for me you know, okay, so I want to get to this next level where I can run an international company. Here is an, in, an organization, a network for women that want to level up, that recognize we want to do big things in the world. We think that women can bring compassion and empathy to industry in ways that it hasn't been brought before, but we're lacking some discipline, we're lacking some leadership skills, we're lacking certain things that are needed for us to get there. So initially you, the, the, the organization was basically to make women, help women become what they wanted to be, which was more powerful, more, more thoughtful, more assertive, and to, to change the world, I guess, in a way, or help change the world. Absolutely. I mean, there were different women in all different industries. We're talking elementary school. We're talking, um, like I said, the acting and movies industry, the media and journalism, um, all the major industries where there's a lot of corruption and where um, there's just a lack of ethics and, and compassion and empathy. So yes, these were, in my opinion, these were game changers. These were women I wanted to work with. These were women that I believed really wanted to have an impact in a big way in our world. And these were women I was willing to put my ass on the line for. And I did put my line for. And, um, and they were willing that were willing to put their ass on the line for me. And the woman that asked me, I mean, that was the dynamic. Understand when I was invited, um, everything was very clear up front. You know, nothing was... Uh, shady, nothing was um, deceptive in any way. And I know that that is, not the, that is not the narrative that is being presented today, but it wasn't like that at all. I mean, when, I, when it was presented to me, it was very clear, number one, if I even wanted to know any more information about it, I would need to give something of value to show that I really, you know, I was taking this seriously and this was something that was important to me. And you know what? because of the people, because of who they were, because of the respect they earned, because of what I wanted and where I was at in my life, I didn't have a problem with that. I knew I wouldn't break my word and I knew I wouldn't share this with anybody else. So that was an easy decision for me. And at, at this part of the conversation, most people would go, so you do understand though that this was initially not a great decision. Do you feel that way? I mean, 
or do you feel like the company is still a great company? Because that's what most people would think as they hear you talking, they're going to say, okay, that's what you thought then, but what do you think of the company now? Right. And I understand and I appreciate that. You know, I appreciate your uh, perspective, um, Carl. Understand that my perspective of the company has not changed uh, because, and I, and I, I need to qualify that. Um, I mean, there's two questions you're asking here. First thing is, I hope people are starting to get a different understanding of there's a very different story going on than what's been told in the media. Again, this was an extremely different organization, high level people committed to doing good things that were just willing to, to go to great lengths to make themselves better to be able to do it. But that's what it takes. I mean, that's any organization. You ask any billion dollar company, Brendan Bouchard, somebody creating massive companies, reproducible systems, growing people, it is a commitment. It is a every day, show up your best, lead people, be that type of person. This is nothing weird. You know, this is, I mean, some of the tools and the, the practices we were doing may be unconventional. You know, maybe people didn't, you know, don't use all those tools all the time. But even that, a lot of the tools that we did use are pretty normal, but they're being skewed in the media. Yeah, and so, everybody's system of how to get there is different too. Everybody's secret list of how they motivate their group or team is different. Everybody's not going to do the same thing. So I get that. Exactly. Exactly. So when I, you know, when I was approached all of these things, you know, to me, this company had the utmost integrity, the people I watched grow. And it's not that they weren't human and they struggled and they, they had failures and they messed up, but they made it a priority to fix it. They made it a priority to apologize. They made it a priority, you know, like don't, please don't mistake, we're all human. We all put our pants on the same way, you know, and there is no perfect here. You know, this idea of building DOS may not have been perfect, but these were women that wanted to make a difference and had an idea. They saw that there was a, a gap in society and they thought, you know what? I think we can do something about this. I think we can make this better. And, you know, if you speak to any of the women, the first line women today, you know, I have the privilege of being, you know, close with Nikki Klein and some of the other women. And if you hear them talk about it today, she spoke about it in my medical hearing, super humble. Like this was an idea. We thought this could work. We were open to changing things. It was a year, maybe a year and a half into its development when it was under fire and being pulled apart in certain ways. And I mean, the master slave- Let me ask you this. Do you think it was, a, if, if this was an organization that was strictly for men, do you think it would have been as hostile in the media as it was? Well, let me ask you this. So let's just say, right? Let's just say, I mean, this is such a good question. So let's just, I mean, there are organizations, I don't even need to do it, hypothetical. There's the Omegas, you know, there's Michael, Michael Jordan and Steve Harvey and the attorney general. These are big time men doing big time stuff. They've got big ass brands on their chest, like from a hot iron. Like we didn't do that. 
that's that little barbaric. That's a little savage. You know, we have, we're women. We do things differently. It was a very, very mindful choice to use tools that we chose. But there's been nothing in the media about the Omegas. There's been no problem if men want to choose to brand their chest with an with a huge scar. LeBron James, Kevin Hart, they they both have a big, huge. Um, I won't say the organization, but I know the symbol right there on their chest. It's like you know, why is it a problem when women do, and it's not a problem when men do? So yes, I mean, I want to I want to go back and answer your, your original question. Just get through that first question. But basically, when I when I joined, this was a very a very prestigious organization. It was presented to me. You know, there were four commitments pre presented right up front that I would be very very clear that I was agreeing to: lifelong commitment, a vow of obedience, a brand, and a piece of jewelry that I would wear forever to commemorate my commitment. I was cool with those things. I knew who I was committing to. And why and, didn't you not see the branding wrong when you get to that one? I want you to elaborate on that. Okay, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, all of these commitments, again, I trusted the people that I was with. I knew what we were doing. I knew what it was for. And I knew what I wanted in myself. And, you know, I mean, the woman that invited me even said, like, listen, we're human. I may not always get this right, but I know if we're committed to each other for life, we'll figure this out. I don't know how many of you are married out there, and I don't know how many of you actually take your vows seriously, but this was no different. You know, these were people that I loved and respected that had the same values that wanted to level up. And that wasn't a problem to me. That was something beautiful. It's not, not a problem. This was one of the most meaningful commitments I've ever made in my life. And I took this very seriously. So, I mean, the master-slave terminology, of course, was I like, what the fuck, you know? But when explained, and before I made any commitments, everything was explained, it was to help me learn how to be humble, how to be vulnerable, how to follow, which is exactly what I wanted to learn how to do so I could be a better leader. You know, and again, I knew that, that these women would never try to hurt me. So all of those things, and now to get to your question of the brand, um, all of those things were fine. And in terms of the brand, I mean, I have two tattoos. I got them when I was young, I was 17 and I was 19. And, you know, I, I became a purist in thought about the physical body a bit after that and said, you know, I don't really think I should be, I don't know if the needles and the ink, you know, like that, I have to detox that stuff out of my body. You know, I, my, my body and the way I help people heal their bodies, I take very seriously. So, and I always walk, walk my walk that I talk, you know, so 19 was the last tattoo I ever got. You know, this was different. It wasn't ink. I also was starting to change certain perspectives about things like that. But ultimately, I think one of one of the things that that I questioned. Hold on, I'm so sorry. I had these alarms going off. I should have shut them off before this interview started. Okay. Um, <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> so. Um, I mean, the branding's no, no different. I mean, there's, if something is meaningful to you, 
people often choose to make it something that is permanent on their body in the form of a tattoo, in the form of a brand, whatever it is. You know, there are so many people that have a brand of a loved one's initials, you know, that they passed away and they wanted to commemorate their life together, whether it's a spouse or a parent or a child. You know, this is not an abnormal thing, you know, so... The brand to me, it was, it was kind of, cool. I mean, you had to, you had to hear the way the women presented it. They were, the woman that asked me was so excited. She's like, we're going to be badass. You have to get a brand to get into this. You know, this is a lifetime organization. We're going to be, we're going to be next level, you know? And that's really, I mean, in, in the innocent, most beautiful intent, like these women wanted to do something good. And I don't think any of us thought that one of our trusted sisters or friends would ever break that confidence, would ever not just break that confidence, but then try to destroy us and destroy, destroy the organization. And for her, you know, um, that wasn't, that certainly was never something, I mean, and naive, maybe, well, clearly naive because it's true. <laughs> so, I mean, but it's not something that I ever foresaw that, that one of the women would do. And I, you know, clearly now I know. So I hope that explains, I mean, it's a, it was a very different experience for me. And um, well, let me in ask choosing, you this. Yeah, please. Let's pivot a bit. Um, if you did nothing wrong, mm -hmm. um, why do you think they singled you out and took away your medical license? I mean, I think that's a pretty simple question. You know, um, I think it was just one of the things that the women could use and the media could use to blow this whole thing up. You know, it was just juicy enough, just socially repugnant enough, like on the cusp of acceptable, not acceptable in our culture that it was just an easy target. And I think I'm just, I mean, because I was the woman who chose to do it, um, I think I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time in many ways. And unfortunately, because I, I have built some, built some potency and I do have a medical license and credentials behind me, it was just, an, it was an easy, it was an easy grab, unfortunately. I mean, there were other women who were approached to do the branding that weren't doctors. It had nothing to do with being a doctor at all, but this was an easy target. You know, oh my God, this is, oh my God, we were held down, we were tortured, we were, we were screaming for hours. I mean, none of that is true. I have videos to back all of that up and none of that is true, but in a world that celebrates I'm going to choose my words carefully, but in a world that supports the, the, I don't want to say the victimization of women, but in a world that celebrates women victimizing themselves to be the victors and then saying, I, I broke free from this thing that was abusing me. Look how strong I am. Um, you know, if there was real abuse going on there, then good for you, 100%. But to create an abuse, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, again, I don't know their experience. It certainly wasn't mine. 
I'm not the only one that didn't have that experience. You know, there are eight other women on the dossier project that you guys can go check out. It's not just my experience that's, that's this way. Um, so yeah, if you guys want to hear other experiences and get a sense of how twisted the media can be and how out of context things can be taken, how dramatic certain stories can be made. I mean, I, I think you get a really good understanding by listening to the other accounts of women who have a very different experience. You know, I'm more interested, you know, moving forward in the thoughts of what's going to, what's going to happen if we don't support people like you who have had their life basically taken away to a certain degree. Uh, why don't you explain to the people that are watching and listening how it's going to affect or how it could affect others if we don't fight for people like you to get your medical license returned? Because I think that was a really strong um, response to a person person making a personal decision to join a what seems to be a private group that want to make their lives better. So, you know, I just, I'm, my mind is baffled at how they could do that. And I'm just like completely, um, honestly afraid of what is gonna happen to our nation if they can do that to you just because you made a decision. So talk a little bit about how this is going to affect others if we don't support um, what you're doing. And, and honestly, uh, talk a little bit about the process of how that even came about for you to lose your medical license. I mean, that's what I'm interested in. Yeah, um, I think that is the more important thing. I mean, we spend so much time on the salacious nonsense in the media. And really, I think there are things that are going on that are way more important than that and that do affect all of us. And the reason I wanted to come on this podcast is to give people that perspective because I've had the experience of seeing my face on TV with a headline or with a whole narrative behind it where I go like, I don't have that memory anywhere stored in this experience, stored in this body. Like I'm looking, I'm trying to understand, did I do that? Did that happen? No. And until I think until somebody has that experience where they literally, it's undeniable that the media is completely creating a narrative that is beyond untrue. I mean, it's very difficult to wrap your head around how just I guess how inaccurate the media is and and what they're really feeding us and I think if I can give people that perspective and I can share exactly how I uh, you know exactly what happened to me so people can see the process um but I hope that people can walk away from this conversation with that because it will help them better protect themselves. It will help them better protect their families, especially with what's going on with COVID. At least if they're questioning the media, at least if they're questioning certain things, it will allow all of us to make some better decisions. So I think before my story you, is- Before you answer that question, I do wanna also add, I think it's important that we also understand the process of the medical board, or I guess the medical, conduct board of how they even judge as 
just being something deemed as a valid reason to revoke your license. I think that's very important because I think that's the key point that we're making or that you're making and that I would like to convey through you because you you are a medical doctor. I would like to convey the fact that they can pretty much do whatever they want to do and just take your life away. Talk about the process of how they even came to that, to say that okay. this was deemed as that. Yeah, because it's kind of crazy. How did we get here, right? So I think the first thing, I'm just going to give cliff notes, but I think this will help. Um, so one of the women went to the, the New York State Department of Health, the Office of Professional Medical Conduct, and she essentially made a complaint. You know, um, when she made that complaint to the Office of Professional Medical Conduct, um, you know, they looked into the issue, they evaluated it, they gave her a formal written statement. In that formal written statement, which is on my website, clear as day, in print, you guys can see it. Um, this was back in 2017. They wrote very clearly, this was not the practice of medicine. These were not patient physician. These were not patients of the, you know, this is no patient physician relationship. And we are not going to look into this matter any further. So clear as day, that was their evaluation. They submitted the formal statement. Um, after that, the same woman, um, the same woman continued to build a narrative, um, kind of a fear campaign in the media. And as the media clamored and raised, uh, you know, got everybody all all up and up in arms like they do, um, there were some New York Times articles that were written. And in those New York Times articles, they essentially started to call out uh, the state representatives, namely Governor Cuomo. And when they did that, you know, they made comments like, you know, how come you aren't protecting the public of the welfare, you know, uh, the welfare of the public, um, you know, it, things that, of course, as a politician, now you're going like, uh oh, like, I better save face, I better, you know. So unfortunately, our the morals of our, of our politicians and our and those types of things haven't ridden, risen to the point where it's about doing what's right, it's about doing about saving face, you know? So at that point, um, I can't, you know, I, I can only say what I experienced, but two days later after, after the, the New York Times articles hit, um, pretty sure Governor Cuomo picked up the phone, called the medical commissioner. I got a phone call from my lawyer two days later, you know, saying that that had happened. And basically they said they are going to be investigating my medical license at this point. So after they had already determined branding is not the practice of medicine, there was no patient-physician relationship. This was between consenting adults, and there was no crime, you know, no conviction, no indictment, no crime, none of this was criminal. They continued to investigate my medical license. You know, I couldn't work as a physician while the investigation was going on, so destroyed my career, destroyed my reputation, and, uh, and pursued a four-year process that eventually landed in them revoking my medical license. So I think it is scary. It's, you know, it, it clearly, the media is the tail that wags the dog at this point. You know, it, this is not just what happened. This is an administrative court. court. I'm, a, I'm a small fry in this whole thing. Understand that I'm a microcosm. I'm, I'm a small part of what can happen to people if we allow this type of behavior. The media, gossip, opinion, prejudice, hate, fear, 
is essentially running our legal system right now, whether that's an administrative court or whether that's a judicial court. I mean, again, I can go into a whole bunch of the other information about the federal trial and tampering that was done and a whole bunch of other things to get convictions that were wrongful. But if we just take this one baby step today and just take my experience and just are able to see what's happening here, it's very scary. And if we continue to condone the behavior of the media and allow officials to make decisions like this, we don't have freedom. You know, we can't act how we want in our personal lives without the media and the, the court of public opinion judging what we're doing without being there, without knowing us, without knowing the situation. There's no investigative journalism anymore. There's no facts and, and research and making sure that you're not hurting someone before you're printing a story. These people are destroying people's lives for ratings and they don't care. You know, it, it, there's not a lot of due diligence there. And unless we start taking that seriously, I mean, we're all in a position where what we do in our private lives can be put on trial by the public, all the haters out there, all the people that aren't very responsible, putting their clicks in, and essentially our livelihoods or our state licenses. And please understand that this is a state board. So anybody with a state license, if this decision is able to be upheld, it's not just medical doctors that are at risk you know the state issues a license to doctors to lawyers to brokers to cpas to teachers you know any any state appointed professional could lose their license their livelihood the way they feed their kids because of this circus we have in the media And what's crazy is I don't think people understand how much that's happening now when you look at even the situation with COVID and the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. They're already setting the stage now. I mean, it's gonna, it won't be long if they continue this way, if we allow this. It won't be long before you're gonna start hearing people are getting arrested out of their homes or being investigated on their taxes or anything they can come up with because you didn't take the shot. Uh, people are gonna start losing their kids. If you yeah. are a parent and you don't want your kids to be vaccinated, they're just gonna start picking you up or pick taking your kids and making them stay on. Like that's going to happen next if we don't fight for people like Dr. Roberts. And I think that's the part that you're not saying, but that's the part I'm hearing as you're talking. And that is, it's already happening. The media right now, I saw a thing the other day where Don Lemon was on TV and he says, uh, I think that anybody that's not vaccinated should not be able to go to the grocery store. What? Are you smoking crack? Are you retarded? What? You shouldn't go to the grocery store? Oh, okay, so because I'm trying to be a responsible parent and I have a six-year-old or a five-year-old or eight-year-old or a 12-year-old, and I don't want to get them vaccinated and I don't want to vaccinate myself, I shouldn't eat. I know. I mean, there are bills being passed to say that 
people that aren't vaccinated can't have health insurance. I mean, there's all sorts of things going on. I mean, it's, it's flying, it's jobs, it's people not being able to work in their workplaces. I mean, we're talking about essential human rights, essential human rights. And like I said, I, I, I share my story because I hope it sheds light on that stuff. You know, I, I, think, I think the important process that I didn't highlight yet is that objectivity, critical thinking, scientific process and legal process are being completely eliminated. And that's, you know, in my case- Say that again. <laughs> I think, let's see if I can repeat it. I think that critical thinking, scientific process, legal process, you know, those essential processes that allow us to be critically thinking conscious human beings are being eliminated from our society today. And it's going to allow for fear and hate to completely take over for and prejudice, that's what fear, the critical hate. race theory is about. Critical race theory is basically replacing what you just said with hate and and anger. Yes. And I just just to give you to give you guys the specifics of this, because I don't think most people know this about my my hearing and my case. So in, in in I've seen it once in medicine, right? Like the reason I wanted to build a new medical system or the reason I wanted to help build a new system in general was because I saw the corruption in medicine. I saw that 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 the scientific process was being corrupt. You know, scientific studies were being skewed by pharmaceutical companies or certain studies weren't being done that could cure cancer or help people in certain ways because it doesn't make money, you can't patent it, blah, blah, blah. So that was my first you know, experience and part of the reason why I was so determined, why I was so willing to join a lifetime organization to try to make a difference, You know, understand my heart and soul, everything I've done in my life was going in this direction. And now, you know, this was my second experience to experience the corruption in the media and in the legal system. So you need scientific process in medicine and you need to have sound studies with no corruption, with honest, unbiased objectives. You need to have double blind placebo controlled trials that allow people to analyze data and get closer to the truth of reality we'll never know exactly how disease works. We'll never know exactly the best decisions, but this is our process that helps us get as close to reality as possible. The process, right. The legal process is the process that helps us get as close to ethics and morality as possible. So you take objective evidence, hard facts, and you objectively analyze to see if the behavior of an individual was out of line or not. That does not allow, or should not, because justice should be blind, right? Justice should have a blindfold on her. That does not, or is supposed to, not allow for bias, a personal opinion, prejudice, racism. I don't care what else you wanna bring in. That is not, the legal justice process. So in my case, in order to take the license of a, of a medical professional, the Office of Professional Medical Conduct needed to do two things, Carl. They needed to, you either need to have been incompetent or had some sort of misconduct within the practice of medicine or immoral within the practice of medicine. That's very important. So if, if a doctor were to rape a patient on his table in his practice, 
he was immoral within the practice of medicine. And I know that's a very crude example, please excuse me, but it drives the point home. I was um, like, could you find a better example? <laughs> that's a very so crude example. That's not funny. I want to make it clear it wasn't funny. It was just, I was thinking, wow, that would be horrible doctor. What, how did he even get his license? That's what I was thinking. Now, I was shocked too, but understand now I, I've been working with a lawyer for almost four years, right? And yeah, I've so they're telling of, you all these scenarios. I've right? heard all his stories and he's right. like, yeah, right. you know, if a doctor, he's represented people that have, or, you know, he's talked to doctors that have done these things. And I'm like, oh my Lord, <laughs> oh my Lord, this is the category I'm being put into. Like, what is going on? Um, so if it is immoral, or if it was incompetent within the doctor's practice of medicine, grounds for the board to have jurisdiction and to take that doctor's license. If their behavior was immoral outside of the practice of medicine, there needs to be an indictment or a conviction of criminal behavior to measurably constitute immoral behavior in the court of law. So if something immoral is done, but it's not a crime, and it hasn't been convicted. You know, if you're a bad boyfriend or a bad girlfriend or you lied to your mom, you can't lose your medical license. That's just a human mistake and we need to learn and grow. <laughs> like we're all humans, right? But to take a license for a state board to have jurisdiction to take a license and to take your livelihood, they need to meet those two criteria. In my case, I mean, the board itself had evaluated and said that branding wasn't the practice of medicine. So whatever I did within the organization with these women in DOS, when I helped them in the way that they asked me to help them. And I also, sorry, this is a tangent. We're gonna come right back to this point, but I also don't think people understand that when I committed to help women with this process, one of my questions was that I needed to experience it first myself. You know, I said, I, I can't say yes to doing this process until I get mine and I experience what it's like and I understand the process. Now that's, that's a principle of mine. I've always that's upheld good. that. That's good. Cause I've, you don't want to implement on anybody else something that you wouldn't implement on yourself. That's really good. And I've always upheld that in my life. Like right. there are doctors that tell people to lose weight, to get healthy, to lower their blood pressure, and they themselves are obese or they themselves are. I cannot operate that way. You know, if I'm going to tell you to go on a water fast for three days, you damn well better bet that I'm willing to do that too. You know, right. and I've had clients asking me about fasts and you know what I did? I wound up doing a seven day fast before I could talk to them about it. I researched it. I looked at the research. I did all that stuff. But it's important to me that I don't ask people to do things that I haven't or am not willing to do myself. So whether it's in medicine, whether it's in my personal life, whether it's in DOS, you know, that was something that was very important to me. Because I think a lot of people have me in this category of like, oh my God, she's this, she did this to these women. Understand that I was one of these women. Like, I was in the same scenario as Sarah Edmondson, as India Oxenberg. I didn't start the organization. I was brought in. I was invited in the same way that they were. I faced the same decisions. I made the same commitments. I gave right. the same collateral. Right. The only difference was I was asked to help with the branding. And before I did, 
I wanted to have that experience myself. So I have not done anything to any woman that I wouldn't have done to me. And I think that that's important because I don't think people understand that about me. And I don't think people understand that about the experience, but coming back now. <laughs> so, so I was sharing a little bit about the legal process and about how this happens. So you need to have those two conditions. And in terms of determining whether branding is the practice of medicine, that's the question, right? So yeah. before this case even started, the Office of Professional Medical Conduct themselves issued a letter to state that they didn't believe that this was the practice of medicine. So we know it's not the practice of medicine. There was no patient-physician relationship. There was no crime. There was no conviction. There was no indictment. So I don't meet any of the three criteria. You know, I can even share with you guys what the medical legal definition of medicine is so you can decide for yourselves if you believe branding meets the criteria of the practice of medicine. But the medical legal definition of the practice of medicine is diagnosing, prescribing, treating, or operating, none of which happened, for some disease, deformity, pain, or condition. I mean, I don't know about you, Carl, but is there a condition, a pain, a deformity, or an illness that I was treating these women for? That no. I was, I mean, nobody came to me for treatment of anything. For a I had no prescriptions were written. There was no monies exchanged. There's not even an insurance code that exists for branding. It's well, not, I mean. And what's, what's interesting to me is it almost as if they're saying your personal life is decisions had something to do with your medical license. That's the way I was always took it. I was like, it wasn't like you set up a doctor's office in this organization. Am I correct? Or did you set up like a doctor's <laughs> office or something? I mean, I because, because ultimately, ultimately I'm thinking you made a personal decision to join an organization. That's just like going, it's like personally going Friday night with your girlfriends to, a, to the club. And then the next morning you're fired because you went to the club as a doctor. Like that's the way it sounded to me. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And it's, it is the exact same thing. If any person were to practice a religion that they don't like, if they were to join some sort of organization that they didn't like, this board is essentially, I mean, what happened in the hearing was exactly that. They tried to bring in a bunch of salacious information. I mean, the prosecutor printed out these pictures of the brand that were 10 times the size to show the, the board what was done. They took things out of context. They, they did all sorts of things. Um, but they tried to bring in gossip and slander in order to say that the organization that I joined was this horrible organization. And they judged me based on a private, personal organization that I joined rather than my practice of medicine. And that to me is wrong. You can't do that. I mean, you can't, oh my <laughs> of <God>. course, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm just saying, like, it just, I don't, I want people that are watching, that are watching to understand it wasn't like you were practicing medical, anything medical in this organization. You just was making a personal decision. It'd be like if someone tells me, well, you know, if I was a doctor and someone tells me, hey, you can't have this podcast because you said on the podcast that you like ice cream from Ben and Jerry's and not Hagen dazs 
okay, so now I'm going to go to the medical board <laughs> and get my license taken away because I said I like Ben and Jerry's over Hawkins. I mean, it's really that we're laughing, but it's really that serious. No, it is. It's the same thing with the vaxxed and the unvaxxed. It's the same process. And that's why I'm glad we're talking about it. You know, it's, I mean, let me ask this question to the viewers, to you, you know, if with the, with the optics that are in the media right now, with what people think about me, with what people think about DOS, with what people think about the organization, which again, we've established is not true, but with that understanding in mind, if that, those three board members that had your, that exercised their power over my medical license, if those three board members had allowed me to keep my medical license and that was reported in the media, what do you think would have happened? Great question. I mean, and I think anybody at home, right? Like the woman who brand, who tortured women in, in this DOS thing, you know, which is crazy considering now that we're speaking and you hear me and you understand how this really was. I mean, people would have been crazy, it would have been like gone totally bonkers if I was allowed to keep my medical license. And I honestly think that those three board members just, I mean, one, I think there was political pressure. You know, I think it, it was very clear. There was a point in my medical hearing where me and my lawyer both looked at each other. The judge who was judging the case, so there's, a, there's an administrative law judge, an ALJ, that runs the case. She doesn't decide the case. In an administrative court, the judge uh, doesn't make the decision. She just makes the decisions about what can come into evidence and what can't come into evidence. You know, she makes certain calls. On, she's like the referee so to speak, of the, of the lawyers. So there are certain decisions that she made. And, and in the beginning, she was very open-minded. She seemed very fair. Her calls were pretty objective. I mean, this went on for 13, I think 13 different hearing sessions. It's one of the longest medical hearings ever. ever. I mean, my lawyer's been doing this for 40 years and it was the longest he's ever uh, adjudicated. So, um, so, she was objective and seemed to be fair getting to a point. And then there was one, there seemed to be one day where we both, we both came into the hearing and all of a sudden, like her demeanor changed, the decisions she was making changed. And we both were like, what on earth? And I, I'm, I wasn't born yesterday. And I've been through this for four years now. Like somebody got a phone call, somebody got, got in trouble, understand that those three board members and that ALJ are hired, hired by the board, you know, hired by the, the health department, the Office of Professional Medical Conduct. They, these are not bipartisan parties. These are not unbiased parties. If they make the wrong call, they get fired. So this is not like a court where there's an unbiased people judging me and making decisions. They're under fire. It would take a tremendous amount of courage. So they've got political forces. They've got people telling them what they need to do because of what's going on in the media. You know, make an example of this woman, take her medical license. And now they've got the court of public opinion. It would take a tremendous amount of courage for these three board members to make a correct decision. It would take a tremendous amount of courage for them to say, you know what? I know this woman, did, this has nothing to do with the practice of medicine. She is a good doctor. She's never had one single complaint from an actual patient ever in her 10 years of medical practice, ever. 
it would take a tremendous amount of courage for them to say, you know what, this isn't right. She deserves to keep her medical license. They'd get fired and the, the whole, you know, public opinion, trial of public opinion would freak out. So I have empathy for their position, but it's not right. And it takes all of our freedoms away and it destroys our justice system. And that's why I'm talking because, I mean, this is a baby step, Carl, and I'm so glad that I have this platform, but this, we need, I have the opportunity, we have the opportunity to take this to the New York State Court of Appeals. And the reason we have that opportunity, it's not because it just affects me. If this case, if their decision only affected me, it's a non, it's a non issue, right? But because the decision they made affects every single doctor, because the precedent that they set essentially says, the board can pry into the private life of any physician and take their medical license if they don't like what they're doing, that sets a precedent for their jurisdiction, which is wrongful. And because of that, I can take this to the New York State Court of Appeals and I can file an Article 78 and I can fight against the decision that was made, not just for me, but for every other doctor, for every other state licensed professional, so that we can reverse this, so that we can put due process back where it belongs and put public opinion and everybody's opinions back where they belong and separate those two things so that we can do the right thing. You know, and that's, I mean, this platform, getting the word out, putting eyes on those judges so that people are astute to what's going on, that will allow, I mean, me taking this appeal, me taking this appeal, going to fight it in a legal system, I already know what happens. We have to have people's eyes on the judge. We have to have people tweeting and interviewing and talking and going, what is this judge gonna do? We see what's going on here, judge. Do you have the gusto? Do you have the, the backbone? Do you have the backbone to do what's right? Do you? And, I, and that's, you know, I, I commend you because you know what? You've one of the first people that have the backbone to have me on their show. Oh, thank you. You know, I, I, I uh, thank you for the compliment, but I also want to say, I believe in you. I believe in you and I believe that our paths crossed for a reason. And I just want people who are watching to know she really didn't want to do the first interview. Um, I, it took me months, I'd say months, yeah, for me to get her on camera because she was so, um, she was so, untrusting of anyone of the industry, typically entertainment, because of how much she was disrespected and, and hurt, frankly. Um, and so it took a lot for me to woo her and, 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 you know, court her, if you will, by social media and just by talking, having conversations and trying to let her know how much that I could see beyond the BS um, so that's why I, I want you on this platform. Um, you always invited to be a part of the podcast for any reason. And um, any of our other shows that's on the network, CJC, uh, if, you know, if as these shows are being developed, if 
you uh, happen to be booked as a guest, we're always going to welcome you with open arms. And I want the public, more importantly, to support what you're doing. Um, I think it's important that people are aware, but it's another thing to be aware and do something about it. Um, our lives are at stake right now. Our medical uh, life, health, uh, food, food resources are all at stake right now. And it's because of what's happening to Dr. Danielle. And I'm gonna still call you a doctor even though technically they uh, have decided for a brief second that you're not a doctor, but I just think that people need to, to support this and help in any way they can. Um, why don't you tell, talk to us a little bit as we kind of wrap this up, um, how can people get in touch with you and what, where do you need the most help right now? What can we do as a collective or as, in, or as individuals or other organizations that are watching that are kind of feeling that pressure as well and, and don't know what to do and how to navigate through those waters? What can we do to help you? Because I think if we help you, it could actually open the door for many other states and legislators and other people, congressmen to start, you know, we, we need to know our power is basically what I'm yes. trying to say. And it starts with yes. helping people like you. If we know our power and we know how we can use it to our advantage, what can we do from a political standpoint, from a financial standpoint, from resource standpoint? Tell us what you need and let's see if the people out there will do what they can to help. I really appreciate that, Carl. Thank you so much. I can't tell you. It's been such a struggle over the past four years. And I've, you know, I don't think most people know this, but I've sold my home. I've sold everything that I own basically to be able to continue to stand against these allegations and these stories in the media. And, um, you know, at this point, I mean, there's two things I think are super important. One is, like I said, I'm just the tip of the iceberg. You know, I think this is a very important case. I think it's a super important case for any state licensed professionals, but understand the process that happened with me is the same process that happened in the bigger case surrounding Keith Ranieri, surrounding this, this entire process. And that case, understand if we as a collective can work together to overturn my case and this decision, that is one small win that starts to turn the tide. Then with this other case, and I, I mean, it would take another interview and another conversation, but understand we have hard DNA, like is, if this was a murder, DNA, what DNA evidence is in a murder, we have in computer forensics, digital information, we have very clear evidence of the FBI's concerted collaboration to plant evidence, tamper with evidence, um, collude together to, I mean, it's not just one infringement, there were multiple infringements that the FBI colluded together. And it's all, you know, we have several um, forensics experts that have cooperated this, signed their name, you know, to these documents to say that it's very clear to them that this is exactly what happened. Now, that is in a high profile case, an international case where, I mean, it's kind of like Watergate, like it's this century, the, the amount of corruption 
that we have DNA evidence for that could be exposed would not allow would not allow this to just be swept under the rug. If we allow something this colossal, a high profile case with this amount of corruption, with this type of evidence of the corruption, we literally have no justice system in this country. We have lost any sense of civility, any sense of justice. And if we can make this win with me, understand, this is this momentum is going in one direction, right? There's my case. They're trying to take my license in Wisconsin. There's a civil suit against me where people are trying to take money, not from me because I ain't got any, but from the billionaires involved in this organization. You know, if we can turn this tide, if we can have one win, it will then be able to influence this other tide, which if we as a people understand our power and we can make this one change, we can then see that we have the power to be able to hold the FBI accountable, the government accountable for what they're doing and it will not, we will not allow, we will not allow this behavior. You have to uphold a certain standard if you're going to serve the people, serve the people because that's their job as FBI agents, as government officials, as judges, it is about morals and ethics and facts and objective data, not about opinion and hate and prejudice and racism, no more. And if we understand that we have the power to do that, I mean, there will be a change in this country. There will be a change. So in terms of what you can do right now, in terms of what people can do to get involved right now, um, Everything's on my website. So drdaniellroberts.com. You'll see my statement there to the medical revocation. It has links to the letter that I was talking to you about, the evidence that shows the political involvement, all that stuff is there. There's something else that says get involved or learn more. There's a fundraiser that I put on Give, Send, Go. I need to be able to provide my lawyer with funds so that he can do the appeal. Um, and like I said, I've, I've given this everything I've got. So if you guys can want to stand with me and are willing to support, we can do this together. I need uh, $40,000 total to run the whole campaign. I've put down the first 5,000. I need 35 more to make this a reality. So donations would be a huge, huge help. Um, again, that link is on my website. Uh, and then honestly, like I said, we have to get eyes on the judges and we have to get people aware of this kind of stuff. So other podcasts, networking, interviews, people tweeting about it, people willing to stand up and put it on their platforms. I can feed you guys articles and information. You know, if you guys are influencers, if you guys are, you know, have your own TV shows, you guys are always looking for good content. If you want good content, that people want to hear, but also can make a difference in the world. I can, I have so many things that are just jaw, jaw dropping that would help you build your influence, but also are, are standing for truth, are standing for justice, are helping us move forward as a human team. And um, I think those, those are the things. If you guys are willing, you know, go, go to my website, um, read the statement, donate money. Go ahead and share the message with other people. If you can make connections or make introductions so I can get the word out, that would be huge. 
And, um, you know, certainly go to the dossierproject.com if you guys want more information um, or email me. You know, I actually, I have a, another training coming up. I'm going to be doing another awareness training. Um, it's not medical, you know, it's, I'm certainly not treating patients and all that stuff. Although I do still have a medical license in Wisconsin, but what I did with my, <laughs> yes, yes. They're going after it right now, but, um, you know, that's another battle I'm fighting on the, on the front, but, um, but, uh, the awareness classes that we put together as a company were never medical in nature. So there are things that help people be able to learn how their body works in amazing, amazing ways and have had amazing results. So another way, if you want to get involved, um, the classes are filling up quickly, but um, if you want to email me, I'll put you on a wait list, or if you can make it into the class, that's great too. And that helps me to be able to fund the appeals and stand for the things that that I think are important. So my email is uh, danielle at drdaniellroberts.com. So website, drdaniellroberts.com. Email danielle at drdaniellroberts.com. And just for everybody who's watching, it's probably on the screen right now. So just, uh, we're gonna keep it up for a few seconds and oh, it's cool. probably been up the whole time you've been talking. But uh, it's been a pleasure. Um, having you on again and you should come back in a few weeks or a few months and just kind of let us know the status um, as things go. This show will repeat a hundred probably times and, um, and you know people can listen to it on Spotify and all the other uh, podcast platforms and watch it on Spotify. We're now on Spotify. You can watch the podcast or video cast. So um, tell all your friends and of course, you can see us every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. on CJC and repeats throughout the week. It's been a pleasure again, once again, to have you on. And I hope that um, out of this, something majorly, um, so, something major that's a blessing happens for you with this, because I think that um, you are a crusader and don't even know it yet. So I think that uh, at some point we're going to see the results of what a crusader can do uh, if we stand with her and or stand behind her and and let her crusade for all of us because you're crusading for all of us right now. I mean, I, I just had a an attorney from D.C. Um, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and she's literally she just left D.C. because it's so bad and so corrupt that she can't even fight in courts anymore. Uh, it's so bad for her. She had a huge practice in DC and she literally had to shut it down, I think about a week ago because it's just gotten so bad that she's like, look, I can't make money because everything is so corrupt. And then if I take cases and I keep failing at these cases because of the, the court system, just are just not being fair. She's like, I don't know what to do. So she, she was on the podcast basically telling us what's going on on this side. And now we have someone on the medical side telling us what's going on. And I hope my audience can see clearly the dots, what's happening here. Uh, if you watch the news, Fox, CNN, whoever, um, MSNBC, it's clear what's happening. They're shutting down our country and they want to basically make it a country of, of citizens who are slaves who, who will follow their thoughts 
and their ideas. And when the devil's at play and he's in control, ain't no telling what's coming next. So if we don't fight now, it's going to be too late. It's not too late yet, but it's going to be too late if we're not uh, careful because we collectively have power. Trust me, it's only a small group of idiots that are controlling the world and they've convinced everybody else that they're smarter than them and that their way is better. But once they see and they recognize that we don't play no games and we could care less how smart they think they are, they're not as smart as we are as collectives. Once they figure that out, this will stop immediately. It would, it, it'll be like a bad cold. You won't even know what happens. Like what I thought, what happened to the shots? It's gone. Cause it's just, they're only doing this because they can't. No one is fighting them. Yeah, I mean, there is a reason why public gatherings were banned, you know, why they saw, you know, I mean, masks, I mean, to not talk so that we can't gather so that we can't talk to each other. If we gather, you know, all of those nurses, all of those doctors that have left their job and had the courage to stand against what is going on, I'm talking to all of you, you know, this awareness company I'm building, I will employ people. I will employ people that do not want to be vaccinated, that want the right to choose. And if you want to be vaccinated, that's okay too. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I am 100% pro body autonomy. We evaluate critically information and choose. But I think that we need to be able to come together and unite. And I want to work with those courageous people who are willing to take a stand right now you know, walk through grocery stores without masks, show up in places without masks, taking care, being smart, all of those things, but questioning the narrative, seeing through the BS, and especially those of you that have left your jobs, please contact me. We can create a team of people that can take action to do what is necessary to to make a lot of this right. And we have, I mean, I just, it's not me, I'm not special. God, call it God, call it whatever, put me in this particular situation. I happen to have an opportunity in front of me that my small step affects an extremely high profile case that could help us all in a huge way. And that would affect everything related to COVID. So I just think it's, I'm in a very privileged position and, um, you know, if anybody, any of you want to get more involved in that, I will do the best I can to shepherd our resources properly and um, work together so that we can overcome some of this stuff. Because I don't know about you guys, but I really, really like having a democratic, free nation where we get to decide for ourselves how we live our lives. This is why I vote, I, for the most part, I vote Republican because I want everybody out of my business. And for, for me, it's about when you're conservative, I'm a conservative. I made it very known that I'm a conservative and I like being able to make my own decisions. And that's one of the great things, you know, they're good and bad in our democracy, but that's what makes it so great. We can still work on it and tweak it and support each other, everybody's right to make decisions for themselves. Um, that's being taken away. And if we don't support Dr. Roberts, then you're next. Trust me, you're probably already on on the list. You just don't know it. So, and if uh, you guys have questions too, like I know this stuff is hard to sort out. Email me. I'll do my best to have you know me or a team of a team that I put together be able to get back to people. So I'm happy to try to help in any way I can. Absolutely. 
It's been a pleasure. Thank you, doctor. You are so welcome, Carl. I love watching you grow. Keep doing your thing. It's amazing. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's the Carl Jackson podcast. Until next time, be blessed.